We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody happy monday welcome into the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl let's kick things off today with the super bowl of course hope you enjoyed the game it was one of the all-time great Super Bowls, in my opinion, up until a very controversial ending, which may have left you feeling one way or another, depending on where your stance was and what happened at the end with the holding penalty. What does Matt LaFleur so eloquently say and so often say? Football is an imperfect game, and it's a million percent true. It is imperfect from a player standpoint. It is imperfect from a ruling standpoint. What is a catch? What isn't a catch? It is imperfect from a refereeing standpoint. And we try to put in all of these rubber bumpers to try to be able to review plays and get things right on the field and make it so that there's not as much controversy. But ultimately what ends up happening is that in huge moments, these plays that could go one way or the other ultimately end up being extremely controversial and really, you know, having everyone have a very strong opinion on what happened. And to some extent, that's what makes sports great, right? The human element and 
you know, what, what can happen in any given moment. But I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody wanted to see uh, a game really come down in this, of this magnitude, really ever, but of this magnitude, a Super Bowl, which like I said, had the opportunity to be one of the all-time great Super Bowls. You had the tie game, the Eagles just had the touchdown and the two-point conversion to tie it. And Mahomes is driving down and you've got this third down and they're probably going to kick a field goal to take the lead. And the Eagles are going to have a chance to have a rebuttal. We're looking at possibly going into overtime time like it just had the opportunity to be an all-time epic game and then it just sort of fizzles because you have the holding penalty and then you know the Eagles are willing to let them score they slide down at the one yard line they kick the field goal it's anticlimactic and that's it right and we're all deprived of basically a phenomenal ending of a game and instead it's just like uh it's a it's the easiest field goal known to man, unless you're Blair Walsh and the Minnesota Vikings got to, you know, give the dagger to Vikings fans any chance you can. Um, I think it was Blair Walsh. Correct me if I'm wrong, but unless it's that situation, uh, you're making that field goal like a thousand times out of a thousand, right? And like I said, it just kind of takes the air out of the entire situation. Now, let's go over a couple things really quick here. The first is that if you are like me, and did not like the call being called in that situation, it's a little bit tougher to stand on the ground, you know, stand on those grounds when James Bradbury, the corner, said, quote, I pulled on his jersey. They called it. I was hoping they would let it ride. Referee Carl Sheffer says it was a clear case of a jersey grab that caused restriction. And Juju Smith-Schuster in his postgame press conference basically said that it should have been a penalty as well. So here's kind of where I lay on the entire situation. Let me start by saying very clearly, I thought the Chiefs were the better team on this day. I don't know that they're necessarily the better team overall. If you play that game, you know, a hundred times, I think it's really close, uh, but I think they were the better team on Sunday. I think the right team won the game. I don't think this is a situation where the referees just completely screwed over the Philadelphia Eagles. I just think we got screwed out, you know, out, screwed out of a potential amazing ending is kind of more of my stance on it. But um, I, like I said, I thought the Chiefs ultimately won the game. I thought the, the Eagles really collapsed, especially defensively in the second half. We'll talk about more on that in just a moment. Uh, so I, I don't think this is a situation where the Eagles had the game, the refs called the penalty, and it handed the game to the Chiefs. I don't think it was that. I just, like I said, I think we got, you know, sort of the the joy of an incredible ending kind of taken away from us. That's That's where I stand on it. But as I mentioned... Juju, the ref, and James Bradbury, the corner who held on the play, are basically saying, yeah, it was a penalty. So let's go back and look at the play, right? It was a whip route by Juju, and it was a well-run route, right? He's going inside, Bradbury's going inside, he whips back to the outside, and then he brings it back up field at the end. I'm not positive on that play. If it was designed to whip back up, I think it probably was, or if he was just going to run the whip to the outside and then take it up if the initial route wasn't open. On the play originally, Juju's not calling for a penalty or anything like that. And maybe, maybe he saw the flag. I don't think he did, but he wasn't like, hey, like, where's the penalty or looking around anything like that. I do think as somebody who watches a ton of film and a ton of tape, I do think this type of penalty goes uncalled a lot throughout the course of a season, much less in a situation like this. If you watch the play, Mahomes is not looking at Juju on the whip route, right? He's looking down the field. I think it was Kelsey that he probably wants to hit, understandably so. And then the pressure comes and then he quickly sees Juju kind of bringing his route up field and just kind of throws it up and basically was throwing it away, in my opinion. I, 
I don't think, and maybe it's possible that, you know, if, if Juju was just so open that Mahomes catches his eye or like Mahomes sees it at the last second and is actually able to put it on him a little bit better. I actually don't think if they're, you know, if he doesn't, um, you know, hold them. I, I don't think that it ends up being a completed pass anyway. Could be wrong. We don't know a million percent for sure in that situation. Um, like I said, Juju wasn't looking for a flag. Mahomes gets pressured on it. It wasn't his initial read. And yes, there's no question about it. Whip route comes in. He starts going the other way. Bradbury grabs a hold of him. Like I would say grab might be a little aggressive, but there's a tug. There's an unmistakable tug on the jersey. And yeah, I do agree that he slingshots a little bit back to gain a little bit momentum and get back in the play. And if you look at it, even after the hold, the wide receiver is open, Juju's open down the field on the play. Now, Mahomes didn't have enough time to hit him, but even after the hold, Juju gets open down the field. So you could make an argument, imagine how much he would have been open had there not been that little tug on the play. That being said, all of that being said, as I mentioned, I watch a lot of film. I see a lot of these plays go uncalled. And in this situation, with the Super Bowl on the line, with everything at stake, knowing the timeout situation and how much time is left and the scoreboard and everything like that, in my opinion, in order to call something like that, it has to be egregious. And I understand the argument of hey, if it's a if it's a penalty in week three, it should be a penalty at, at that moment in the Super Bowl. I, listen, we, we've all seen, we all are well aware of in a playoff game, how many times do we say, hey, come play a football, the refs swallow their whistles a little bit more. They're not going to call some of that stuff. How many times did Packers wide receivers get absolutely mugged against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And we all sort of chalk it up to, well, hey, you got to play a more physical brand of football and you got to find a way to release from those, you know, the, the press coverage and the holds and the grabs and everything else. It's part of playing football in the playoffs. And to see the, the pressure on the play and Mahomes just basically chuck it away. And yeah, if, if he's wide open, like I said, maybe maybe the, the play course corrects a little bit and maybe Mahomes is actually able to find Juju. Personally, personally, I just, I want to see them play in that situation. And if that were Green Bay, if it was the Packers and the, going against whatever team and they don't call that play, you know what? you still have the opportunity to kick the field goal and stop him on defense. I'll, I'll say this as well. If that penalty is not called, certainly we're going to get a couple random people tweeting screenshots and be like, look, look, Juju was like held on the play. I don't think anyone's looking in that on that play and go, I've, I've watched it back a million times. There's a slow motion of the replay. Go back and watch the real version of it and go watch it. Go back and watch it in full speed. Like, man, it just looks so like nothing. And that doesn't mean it's nothing, but it looks like nothing. I don't think anyone's having like the, a real conversation of men like, man, if I can't believe they didn't call that holding penalty on James Bradbury on that third down play. Like, I don't think we're even talking about it at all, which leads me to believe again, that it's a play that shouldn't have been called. But like I said, at the onset, James Bradbury himself is saying, I held him. I thought I'd get away with it. I didn't, they called it. And that's sort of your F around and find out sort of situation you get yourself in a position where you're going to grab somebody and hold them, you have the opportunity to have a penalty go against you and you have to do a better job of not putting yourself in that situation. And they did and they got called for it. And that was that. Like I said, do I, do I love the call? I don't. It, by the book, by the rule book, is that a penalty? Yeah, probably. 
Probably is. And like I said, I don't think the wrong team got screwed out of the Super Bowl here. I really don't. I think the Chiefs were the better team. I think they should have won. I think they would have won. But I still hated, hated, hated how the ending of that game was. So that's where I'm at with it. Like I said, it is an imperfect game. And some of these things are going to happen. We'll all tune in. The first Packers preseason game and family night in training camp and the first Thursday night football game of next year. And it's just it like that that's the entire pageantry of the NFL in a football is things can go in a million different directions and you're never quite sure what direction is it's going to go in. And every play has meaning. There's only 17 games in a season and every playoff game is a win and you're in. Every championship game has so much at stake because everyone in the world is watching. It's what makes football so incredible. And these conversations that we have after these games, because there's so much at stake and we've all put so much into the entire season and we just want to see it end on the field. It's not always perfect. It's an imperfect game. These things happen. And like I said, if it's me, and I'll, I'll just add one thing really quick. And not that me refereeing youth soccer is anything like refereeing an NFL game. But one of the things I was constantly cognizant of is in when I was refereeing soccer is if you allow a penalty kick, you're awarding a goal more often than not. Like you are awarding a goal to the team. And more often than not, when you allow a goal or you know award a goal in soccer, like that's going to flip the game. Like you're, you're potentially handing the other team a win. I was constantly cognizant of like what a, what a penalty in what situation would do in, you know, if, if it was called, like you have to have that wherewithal. And again, just knowing that everything is on the line in that situation, man, I just would have loved to see them make that, yeah, have that be a, a play on in that situation. Because again, I've, I've seen that holding penalty, especially in playoff games a thousand times over and have it not be called, or at least there's inconsistency on that play, right? There's inconsistency with those type of holding penalties. We don't see them always called. Sometimes they're let go. Sometimes they call them. And in that situation, it with the Super Bowl on the line, that to me is one that you just sort of let play out and let whatever happens happen instead of instead of uh, calling the penalty and basically giving the, the game at that point to the Chiefs. Like I said, they, they deserved that game. So it is what it is, but I don't know. I'm interested in your comments. I really, really am uh, of what you think. And I don't think there's going to be a, a perfect situation here for the, the rule followers in the world. Then this is why I like our, our uniquenesses uh, are what make us different, right? For the rule followers in the world, hey, don't put your hands on them. You're not going to get yourself in that situation. They're not going to call a penalty and you're good to go. Don't, don't have, don't put like, don't put your hands on them. Don't put yourself in a situation to get called and you're fine, Right. The other one, you know, for me, more of a rule breaker, I'm more like, hey, like everyone's doing that stuff and it could be called on any given play and you're going to really call it in that situation. Like everyone's breaking the rules at almost every point in a game like that. And that's the time you're actually going to call it. And by the way, there was less than 50 penalty yards in that entire game. So it's not like, it's not like this was a game where like there's just flags everywhere and everything's being called and you'd be like, all right, I, I got to make sure I don't touch them. Last, last, last thing I'll say. And, and with that in mind, NFL players learn, right? NFL players are smart. And while Bradbury can say, yeah, I held him. I, I thought I'd get away with it. That's exactly what he thought. That's exactly what he thought. He thought, yeah, I held him and I thought I was going to get away with it. And the reason that he thought that is because in those situations, we've seen the referees swallow their whistles more than not. This is a game where there was a lot of physical play, where a lot of stuff didn't get called, less than 50 yards of penalties in the entire game, including that play. So when you see that 
throughout the course of the NFL where referees swallow their whistles in playoff games and in Super Bowls and in those big moments more often than not. And in a game where they basically didn't call much of anything at all. Yeah. As a corner, guess what? You're making some gambles sometimes of like, Hey, like I know what I can get away with and I know what I can't. When I'm scouting offensive linemen, one of the things I love is like if I can if I see a hold every now and again by an offensive lineman, but it's a smart hold, meaning like they know what they can get away with and they know what they can't, I, that's something I grade up on an offensive lineman of like knowing what you can get away with in the NFL. Like David Bakhtiari is phenomenal. Like we see these offensive tackles that get the little bit of like a millisecond head start and everyone wants the penalty. They know what they can get away with. NFL players are insanely smart players and they know what they can get away with. And that is a play, in my opinion, more often than not, you get away with. And that's why like kudos to James Bradbury for saying, yeah, I held him. I thought I was going to get away with it. I think you should have. All right. I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. Sorry for going on for 14 minutes, but it's like a major, major play. Other stuff that happened in that game that I want to go over. Chiefs offense in the second half. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Field goal and would have been a touchdown. Like Eagles were trying to let them score a touchdown, but they wanted the field goal instead. So just a masterclass in offense in the second half. Coming off a injury by Patrick Mahomes at the end of the first half, was you were questioning like, was he still going to have any mobility left? And like, they just played absolutely flawless in the second half. I thought Jalen Hurts was incredible in this game. Some key third down conversions, some huge passes, some huge runs. But man, the fumble return for touchdown is the ultimate game changer in this game, right? Maybe the, maybe the Eagles punt away in that situation and the, and the um, Chiefs go down and score a touchdown anyway, but that is a massive, massive swing. And you're just gifting the Chiefs seven points in a game where every single thing mattered to a great extent. And the other thing too here is the Eagles had a a 10-point lead at halftime. And this is an Eagles defense that I just talked about yesterday, how talented they are, how physical they are, how much pressure they get. I I talked about yesterday, this is going to, like the number one A thing I was watching in this game was how the Chiefs offensive line was playing against the Eagles defensive front. And the Chiefs dominated that matchup. The Chiefs offensive line went out and played the game of their lives and kept Patrick Mahomes clean for the vast majority of the day. And that Eagles defensive line struggled to stop the run. They struggled to get pressure. And the Chiefs offensive line just beat, in my opinion, the best defensive front in football for four quarters and gave the Chiefs an opportunity to not not an opportunity to win the game, but that they won the game. And that, that to me was the massive difference. And again, you getting touchdown, 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 field goal in the second half against that Eagles defense, and you needed every one of those points. What an amazing performance by the Chiefs offensive line. We're not going to talk about, you know, as a, a fan you know, or an NFL fan base, we're not going to talk about offensive lines being the MVP of a game. To me, the offensive line for the Chiefs was the MVP of that game. Like it's five of them, I get it, but like they don't win that game if the Eagles defensive line takes over like they usually do. Chiefs offensive line deserves so, so much credit. Travis Kelsey had another amazing performance. I thought Isaiah Pacheco had a really nice game, including taking one of the biggest hits in Super Bowl history from Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and somehow being back in the game a couple plays later and then took like another decent hit as well. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say is I thought Andy Reid painted an absolute masterpiece in this game. And you talk about a coach that was maligned in, in Philadelphia, couldn't win the Super Bowl, a lot of NFC championship games. You know, him and Patrick Mahomes talk about a match made in heaven, but the the routes to get the wide receivers wide open in the red zone in the second half, 
you know, with, with Tony and I think was it Smith Schuster on the other one? Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And this is an offense that we saw against the Texans. I don't even know. What was that, 19? Was it 19 or 20? Um, might have been 20 uh, right before the – or it was the 19th season, I think, right before the pandemic. Um, but where they came back against the Texans by, I don't know, like 20-some points down, he knows this offense can take over when needed. And he just let his offense take over in the second half, in large part due to his play calling and what you know he can do as a, a play caller and, and a, as an offensive mind as well. I just thought it was an absolute masterclass by Andy Reid. He and that offense just took over the game and said, we're not losing this. And Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, that you know, entire group of wide receivers, Pacheco, that Chiefs offensive line, that was the difference. They said, we're going to go out and win this game. And they, they just did. They just outplayed the, the really, really phenomenal Eagles defense in the second half and just made them look like, you know, they, they made the Eagles defense look like it was a complete run-of-the-mill, average, below-average defense. That's how good Mahomes and Reed were. But I, I, like I said, I thought Andy Reed absolutely painted a masterpiece in this game and just solidified even more uh, his future status as a Hall of Fame head coach. What, what a beautiful job by Andy Reed in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The last thing I'll say about the game, I thought the field conditions were terrible and that's unacceptable by the NFL. Like you want to talk about competitive balance and you want to talk about player safety. You cannot have a Super Bowl that the field is that bad. And I joked, I'm like, oh, the Packer fans must have watered the middle of the field again. If you remember Vikings complaints when the the Packers field was a little bit slick. If the Packers, when the Packers feel is a little bit slick because they play in 20 degree weather and there's some condensation and stuff like that, that's a little bit different than when you're playing in 78 degree Arizona and there's no reason for your field. The reason a lot of it was because of all the paint on the field, like that stuff just cannot happen in a game of that magnitude. You have to have a better situation and setup so that players aren't slipping all over the field because it just makes a worse brand of football. And that, like I said, that stuff just can't happen. So it was equal for both sides. It didn't change things for either team, but you just want to see a field that's 
good. And it's, it's like holding up and not having people falling and slipping everywhere at any given moment. So that was a little bit disappointing as well. All right, main topic, uh, I guess main topic, but the Super Bowl is probably a, a you know huge topic here too. But we had two new Aaron Rodgers reports uh, on Sunday. The first was by Rappaport and Pelissero from NFL Network. And it's the first thing is it said that Aaron Rodgers is starting his retreat on Monday. So as you're listening to this, uh, it sounds like he's starting his retreat. So, you know, good that he, I, get he's, I guess that he's getting it done and maybe we'll know a little bit sooner rather than later. Time will tell. Uh, but the big news from this is that sources say the Packers are open to working with the four-time AP NFL MVP on a trade. That was the quote. Sources say the Packers are open to working with the four-time AP NFL MVP on a trade. Also said, quote, if Rodgers wants to stay in Green Bay and is fully bought in, the Packers would want him back. And then it later said that the relationship between the Packers and Rodgers remains positive. So this is a this is very interesting to me for a couple of reasons. A, the, it opens with they're open to trading him if Rodgers is open to, or if Rodgers ultimately wants a trade. Um, it also says that they are well, you know, open to bringing him back if he's fully bought in and he wants to stay in Green Bay. So this to me reads as a couple things. A, that this is a, a source that is close with the Packers, not a source that's close with Rodgers. See, this reads as a source that's close with the Packers it is saying that the Packers, if, if Rodgers wants to come back and is all in, that the Packers are interested in that. If he wants to trade, they are open to trading him as well. It's the second time now that Rogers mentioned earlier, like, hey, if they want to trade or if like if we get to that point, like he's open to it, he's okay with it, he's come to terms with it. And now the Packers are saying, like, hey, we've kind of come to terms with it as well. If Rogers wants to trade, we'll work out a trade. That's that's somewhat telling to me. Mostly because I'm sure that's kind of not what Rogers wants to hear, right? Although he did get the second part of saying if if he's fully bought in, the Packers would want him back. Rogers might take a slight offense to that and saying like, if I'm fully bought in, well, of course, if I come back, I'm fully bought in. Like, what does that even mean to me? And this is just me reading between the lines and reading the tea leaves. So take it for what it's will. And I, I hate this stuff. I would rather just break down some third string fullback rather than trying to guess what people are meaning in a sourced report from NFL network. But to me, this is like potentially at least positioning by the Packers saying like, hey, if Rodgers wants to come back and is all in, we want him back. And if he wants to be traded, we'll work with him on that as well. We're the good guys. We're the Green Bay Packers. Like we're cool with whatever. It sounds great, right? All right. If, if Rodgers wants back and he's all in, we're going to take him back and we'll, we'll give him that opportunity. But what we know, we know as fans what Rodgers wants, right? He wants all in. He wants, we're going to go in a Super Bowl. And if the Packers are saying to Aaron, and again, I don't know that this is a fact. I don't know that this is true. The Packers are saying to Aaron, yeah, it's kind of going to be business as usual. We don't have a lot of money to spend. We're not going to you know, just rip every Band-Aid so that we can open up a bunch of salary cap space. It's going to maybe be a slight reboot where we're going to lose a lot of the guys. We're going to probably lose a Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, and we've got some tough decisions to make with some other players. And meanwhile, we'll maybe get a you know small veteran here or there, but mostly this is going to be just building back up through the draft. If Aaron hears that, he's going to say, "All right, well, it's it's great that you want me back, and I appreciate that, but I we can't win a Super Bowl with that, and you know that, and you know we need to go all in. So wh- where are we at, right? So th- that's kind of how I re- and again, I, just hypothetically, right? If the Packers say, "Hey, we're willing to have you back, but we're not." 
going to do much. We're just going to kind of go about business as usual. That's basically telling Rodgers like, hey, if you want a Super Bowl, go somewhere else. If you if you want to go all in, go somewhere else. So it sounds like Green Bay's being like the, hey, we're the we're cool. We're open to everything. We're you know we can be in an open relationship. We're like whatever. If you want to if you want to go see other people, you can go see other people, and we'll be fine with it. But like if you want to come back, we like you can still hang out with us. That to me is kind of what it seems like. But if the if on the back end Green Bay's like, hey, we're not going to really do much, then you're basically telling Rodgers, you know, you you're going to have to be the one that demands a trade, and then Green Bay can kind of just wipe their hands and say, see, like we were fine with him coming back, but he was the one who requested a trade, and maybe Green Bay doesn't care about any of that. Maybe that's just it just is what it is, and like they are saying, like, hey, if he's all in, we're we're good to having him back, and if he wants to be traded, we'll trade him, and maybe they're just along for the ride. That that seems a little odd to me, and. If that is the case, that's probably not okay. I don't want the front office being like, ah, whatever Aaron wants. Like, I want the front office to be like, what's best for the Green Bay Packers? And if they think that's Aaron being back, then by all means, then like go fight for Aaron. Like, if, if you're if you're Brian Gudikins, right? If you're the GM of the Packers, you have to have a feel. You have you, it, it can't just be like it can't just be whatever Aaron wants. That that's not good enough. It has to be either. We think Aaron gives us the best opportunity to win, in which case go and convince him of that. If that's what you think, and I, I like I, you know where I stand on it, but if that's what you think, if you think Aaron gives you the best opportunity to win, then go fight for that. Go make that happen. And if you think it's Jordan, if you think Jordan gives you the best opportunity to win or is the best move long-term, maybe it's not your best opportunity to win, but you think it's the best for the franchise moving forward. If that's what you think, then fight for that and say, Aaron, I'm sorry, we love you, but we, we got to go to Jordan. It just is what it is and make that decision and make it known and make it transparent to Aaron so that he knows and make it transparent to the NFL so that they know. Last thing, could it be, you know, a little bit of posturing to see like, hey, if, you know, we're open to keeping Aaron. So if you want him, you better up your offers. Maybe, but like this comes down to Aaron, right? Aaron's going to make the decision. If he wants to be traded, Green Bay's probably going to say, all right, we'll trade you. And if he wants to be back, maybe they want him back. And, and they probably do, but just, it, it all gets so convoluted. And I know that this is just conjecture season. And like I said, I hate it. I'd rather be talking about non-conjecture stuff, but it's an important and massively important time in the Packers franchise. And what happens here is is going to really affect the Packers moving forward. Then the other piece of news was from Jeremy Fowler. The New York Jets have inquired about Aaron Rodgers' availability with the Packers per sources, a move that was expected as New York explores veteran options. So whether Aaron is coming back or not, you are starting to see some teams at least pick up the phone and say, hey, that Aaron Rodgers guy, is he available? And that is a good sign if you are a Packer fan, because if he is not back in Green Bay, the one thing I just don't get, I can get, I can understand a lot of things. If you want to see him finish his career as a Green Bay Packer, like I, I get it and I understand it. If you want to move to Jordan Love, I certainly get that and understand it. The one thing I do not understand, and I, I guess this counterbalances the, the first point here just a second ago, I can't understand just being like, I just hope he retires. Like to me, either... If you, if you want to see love, hope for love. If you want to see Rodgers, hope for Rodgers. But if it's not going to be Rodgers either way, like then get something out of it, right? So the best case scenario is you've got these teams that are interested and willing to offer some big deals for his services if he does in fact want to be traded. So hopefully this is a sign that there are teams out there that are interested and are willing to give 
hopefully some serious draft capital if that does come to fruition. Last but not least, Rich Basashi, excuse me, will not be the Colts head coach. They're going with Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator, uh, at least according to reports, which means that Basashi will be back as special teams coordinator in 2023, which is very good news and a great way to end today's show, which is all over the place with bizarro calls, an interesting Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers, who the heck knows what's going to happen. At least we've got some good news. Rich Basashi should be back with the Packers in 2023. That is is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I know it was an interesting Super Bowl. I know that the, the hot takes and the, the passion and the intensity on what everyone thinks of that call is all over the place. So like I said, it's an imperfect game and it, it just is what it is. Just a, I think we can all agree, whether you think it was a penalty or not, just a bummer of a way to end the Super Bowl, right? Like I don't think there's any way to, to argue against that unless you want a bunch of money off of it, in which case tip of the cap to you and congratulations on your big win. That's going to do it for me for me today. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time and as always, go Paco.